it's time for the Chapter 49 podcast. It is, guess what, Friday the 13th. It is May 13th of 2022, and welcome to our podcast. We always are happy that you're with us. My name is Larry Lannon. I am a volunteer, and I do volunteer activities with Chapter 49. We at Chapter 49 represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. And once again, we welcome Duncan Giles, our chapter president, who is with us once again. And Duncan, uh, I'm trying to remember, is it your idea or mine to do this on Friday the 13th? Uh, that would be mine. That was This was my call this time. Couldn't Friday remember. the 13th, I've not had many problems with. Saturday the 14th, I have had a fractured ankle and a fractured wrist on two different uh, Saturday the 14th. So I'm staying in bed tomorrow. Well, that was my next question. You are staying in bed tomorrow. <laughs> we do, we can't afford to have you off, uh, off work that long. <laughs> Just have too much. You got too much work to do as a chapter president. But uh, anyway, the weather is great. We're in the 80s for the first time in the 2022 uh, here recently. Uh, Indianapolis getting a dose of summer early on in the season. Uh, we've had some cold and rainy May uh, days, but uh, this month, most of our days have been rather warm. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway is heating up. They have a a road race coming up this weekend. Of course, the Big 500 is a couple of weeks away. Uh, at least that's what's going on around here. I'm sure things are active wherever you may be watching or listening. So, Duncan, let's get into our work today. And with the first thing we want to talk about and I've seen this, you know, even though I'm not really involved in tax anymore, I used to teach tax for Indiana University, and I ended that a couple of years ago. But, you know, you just never can totally get away from tax. Right? Once you're a tax guy, you just can't get it out of your blood. So every now and then I'll get these emails or I'll, I'll, I do subscribe to a few newsletters that deal with tax. And all I've been reading about lately, and this is going to all the tax professionals all around the country, is that paper processing is way behind. And if you file, let's say, a 1040X paper return, uh, you might as well go on vacation for several months. You're not going to hear about anything for several months. You can tell your client that. But uh, we've talked about this so-called surge that's been going on bringing people from one part of the service into paper processing. And there are some uh, remote call sites that are involved in this. So what, what can you tell us about you know, what's happening right now? Yeah. Um, the IRS is still struggling to hire and actually they are getting uh, a lot more hires. The problem is of course, then retention and we're having folks that are leaving very shortly after being hired. We're not, having a good retention rate, which unfortunately I'm no surprises, not a lot of us. Uh, the, the latest idea is we are so, so, so far behind in 1040Xs, the corrected tax returns to uh, amend your previous year's returns, that they have uh, taken four of the larger call sites and they're asking for volunteers who want to do the 1040X work remotely. They're going to be training them up for a couple of weeks and then, you know, letting them loose to do this through the rest of the um, basically the fiscal year. And again, it's it's one of those situations where, yeah, we do need to hit the 1040 X's. We need to get our paper inventory down. 
we need to get it all down because this is only going to lower our level of service, what they call the LOS in the IRS, because we're nothing if we're not having an acronym attached to something. Well, yeah. You know, and it's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's just one of those things where it's almost like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, you know, we're just we're just plugging holes because we just seriously don't have enough bodies and can't get enough trained bodies to stay to do this type of work. Well, I'm glad you mentioned level of service. That was something I remember from my toll-free days. And, and I must say that uh, level of service seems to be a low priority. That paper inventory seems to be the priority. And I can understand why, but uh, don't you think some members of the public may be getting a bit frustrated when they cannot get their telephone calls answered? I mean, that's sort of been the way it's been for several years now, just to a lack of, of, of resources and people. But when you make it this much worse, uh, it's like you're exactly right. This is a rearrangement of, of chairs or robbing Peter to pay Paul. And, and, and you know, the service, I have to give them credit to some extent. They're doing the best they can with what they have available. But uh, it's, it, it's not easy to get everything done that needs to be done and, and meet these expectations that the public would have for us. Yeah, this is not a problem that happened overnight, and it's not going to be solved overnight. And they're, like you said, they're trying to do their best. We may not agree with their methods and the way they're going about this. Like we would have liked to have people who are included in the first surge that were involuntarily told you have to go on the phones to be able to um, do this 1040X work, but they're not allowed to. We would have liked to have more call sites open to this because call sites have been screaming to do this type of work forever, but it's only open to four large call sites. And again, it's a balancing act. I get that, totally understand it, um, but we're not doing anybody any justice uh, with the way that things are going now. And you know, I, I, I can't tell you the jobs that the folks in the service centers and the folks in the tax and the folks that are in TAS and accounts management have the tremendous pressures that they're dealing with, with people who are so frustrated because they can't get anybody on the phone. They can't get an answer to their questions. They can't figure out what's going on with their paper inventory, whether it's a correspondence or whether it's uh, an amended return, something like that. It's tremendously frustrating to everyone, including the folks who are doing yeoman's work every single day to try and get this solved. But it's it's going to take years, literally, to get this fixed. Well, and I think one question that may come up in the minds of people, let's say, who work in the Indianapolis call center, as you mentioned, it is not one of the larger call centers. Uh, therefore, uh, there's no 1040X work coming to Indianapolis. Do you think if things continue the way they are that that could change? Anything is possible. It's possible I might be named Mr. Universe this year, but I'm not counting on that, and I'm not counting on the work expanding outside of the four uh, call sites that they've already named. We asked that question during the briefing, and they were pretty adamant that this was the way that they were going to go because of the fact that it does uh it has to do with what types of calls each site answers how many people are in that particular site and how long it takes them to train them up to do this type of work well whenever you use the mr universe example i know that's there's not much of a chance so we'll, we'll. exactly 
Well, we, I think we got the picture on that one. I'm just curious about one thing, and maybe you don't know the answer, but I, I, from a technical point of view, I was wondering how this would happen. Let's say you're working at one of these large centers, but uh, you don't have the paper there. Are they going to ship the paper to these people, or are they going to scan it, and then they're going to do it? They're going to watch the scanned copy. I'm just curious. Do you have any word on how that's going to work? Uh, apparently what we've been told is it will be scanned copies. Okay. Now who are going to be the bodies that are going to scan these in? You got me. Well, um, you know, that just, everybody's yeah. already working to capacity. That takes time but, and effort to do that. Yes, I agree. Exactly. Exactly. But you know, whatever, whatever works, they, they seem mm-hmm. to have a plan and God bless them. Uh, you know, so, there have been a lot of people who've had a lot of plans over the decades and hundreds of years and, you know, man plans, God laughs. And I hope that's not the case this time, but I think it might be. All right. So we'll, that's the way it looks for now. Let's move on to another subject. And and this is a subject we all have been talking about for some time, but it is here now. We are recording this, as I said, on Friday the 13th. I believe the date uh, that we're looking at now is May the 16th for the thrift savings plan. The thrift savings plan, as I understand it, they're going to shut down your ability to get information on your account, which means like if you've used the uh, internet to uh, log in and look at your account, starting on May 16th for a period of time, I think it's going to be a couple of weeks, I'll let you get into that, uh, you'll not have the access to your account information. Now, TSP has made it very clear that they will still make contributions, and if you've got distributions set up, they will come out all. They may not come out exactly at the same time if they're time to come out every month. But the bottom line is, even though your access to your account is shut down, behind the scenes, all that activity will happen. And the reason the shutdown is happening is to enhance uh, all of the uh, uh, activities that you can do. And there'll be a phone app, which will be a new thing. And there'll be some enhancement of the uh, system you use to get in, let's say, on the Internet, if you're using uh, the web to get into the TSP. So... um, what will you tell people as, as to what to expect with this TSP shutdown looming now? Uh, it's almost like Kevin Bacon in the end of Animal House. Remain calm, all is well, uh, while he's getting run over. You know, that's that's one of those things where, you know, the TSP has been very good about getting out the information. National NTU has sent out information to members. Uh, it's just one of those things that, because of the massive changes that the TSP is doing with the brand new options on the mutual funds and things of that nature, the phone app that you mentioned, instead of trying to do it piecemeal, they're saying, okay, we're just going to shut it down for a couple of weeks. We're still going to be doing what we need to do. But if you want to do anything new, you want to change your contribution, change your allocation, change beneficiaries, start getting money out, things of that nature. You're going to have to hold off until sometime uh, around the first week in June. They're saying it'll be the end of the first week in June, but they've also said they're giving themselves a little, uh, it could be earlier. They just want to make sure that everybody is planning for worst case scenario. And as I've said before, um, the thrift savings plan is one of the great success stories. You know, we've had a lot of things happen in government that maybe did not work out the way we had hoped. Well, the thrift savings plan is uh, one of the great stories of how to do things the right way. 
and it's been a very, very effective and, and efficient way to save for retirement. So uh, I think when something is new, it, it has everybody concerned. So the basic thing is if you try to log in in the next couple, three weeks, you may not be able to get into the uh, account, but everything is happening behind the scenes as it's supposed to. And as Duncan said, if you're trying to get something done, a change done, something like that, you're going to have to wait a little bit to get that done. So um, basically, uh, uh, just uh, be aware that this is happening, and uh, and we will let you know on this podcast. And by the way, we have uh, our Facebook page, NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. We've already migrated it to a new place on the internet uh, due to uh, some changes uh, in Facebook, but that should all be taken care of now. And if you have trouble getting into it, Duncan can send you a link, or I think that's the only link left now. So if you just uh, go to Facebook and, and look under NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana, you should be able to find it. We will have updates about the TSP and, and when it comes back up and what you need will be looking for on that uh on that way of communicating. And I'm sure Duncan will also uh, communicate with the membership through his email list and other ways. Anything you want to add about TSB before we move on? Yeah. And, and national NTU will be uh, on top of this as well, because they're uh, very aware of how many people um, count on this and want to make changes a lot of times. So they, they're very on top of it and will I'm sure be getting out information as soon as they hear it as well. Moving on to something else, Duncan, and again, uh, I think this is near and dear to your heart because you were so heavily involved in negotiating the uh, revised national agreement that's been in place since October 1st of last year. In that contract language, there is a new program that's been set up. It's a child care subsidy. And not everybody would be eligible for it, but it's for lower-income employees. And we have a number of those at the service to help out with child care costs. And a lot of other agencies have done this very successfully. IRS saw this as a way to attract and retain employees. They were on board with this. They were willing to do this. We're all, from what you have told me, uh, had no objection to it and wanted to bring it into the contract language. Well, it's there. But even though it's been in the contract since October 1st, we still do not have an IRS uh, child care subsidy program. Why is that? Yeah, this is one of those things I like to call this the, uh, the Ken Moffat, our national director at NTU of negotiations, who came up with this. And it, everybody has agreed. It's a great plan. It's a great program. Um, you know, there, as you said, there are income limits. Everything was going smoothly. And then, as it always is in life, the devil's in the details. And, you know, it's trying to find the right vendor, getting that vendor up and running. You know, what we're hearing is, and we filed national, NTU had to file a national grievance over this, just because we can't figure out why it's taking so long. To be honest with you, I'm betting the IRS can't figure out why it's taking the vendor so long. Aside from I'm betting it's the famous two words that go with, uh, government contracts, low bid. Um, you're getting what you're paying for right there. So what's happening is, is you know, every they're being telling everybody who might qualify for this, save your receipts, save your information. This is going to be retroactive. Retroactive to win. How long do we have to wait? Um, you know, this is something that I know 
everybody is pounding the table for. And when I say that, I'm talking about management as well as national NTU and local chapters as well, because we want to get it set up for our members as soon as possible. But for whatever reason, it's not moving swiftly at all, or is it moving at all? We don't know. And so that's why we filed the national grievance to try and get this figured out so we can get this benefit that everyone agrees is a great thing to our members as soon as possible. And Duncan, I think that uh, people are curious about this. So tell us what you know, because as I understand it, you're very good about filling me in and putting me in the loop on these things. As I understand it, there was an award given, bids were were taken, and, and the bid was awarded, the contract was awarded to a vendor but as I understand it, and we don't want to name any names or, or you know, disparage anybody, I, I'm not doing that at all. What I am saying is there seems to be an issue uh, where the, the vendor is, is having trouble coming up with what they had promised to do. And, and I'm, again, I'm not saying anything. Was, things happen for a variety of reasons, but uh, that appears to be the case. This kind of goes back to your lowest bidder uh, comments. So what do we know uh, about the details of what went wrong? Is there really very much we, we do know at this point? No, there's unfortunately not very much. Uh, you know, this company has said that they are uh, doing it for other governmental agencies. How much the IRS check those references, have no idea how successful or uh, whether there were any issues or not. Don't know. Um, we have heard that it is a very small operation. And so I don't know if this is just too overwhelming for them. We just, we don't know the details. And that's one of the reasons the national grievance was filed. So we can get the answers for employees who have been patiently, and I will say this, patiently waiting for this benefit that should have been shortly after October 1st starting to be implemented. All right, so we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, as uh, Duncan mentioned, there is a national grievance, and when you file a grievance, there is information that has to be provided. And that is, uh, as Duncan mentioned, one reason the grievance was filed. The union wants to find out why this is not working out as the contract had, had laid out. So uh, we will continue to update you on uh, our various communication levels, including our weekly podcast. We'll try to bring up any new information we have once it's there. Something else has been happening, um, and I found it quite interesting. Uh, there are people working for the IRS that are getting W-2Cs, corrected W-2s. We don't see that happen often at the IRS, uh, but these W-2Cs are for 2020. So what do we know? What's going on, and what, what should employees do, if anything, if one of these W-2Cs for 2020 is received from the service. Yeah. Um, and national NTU, if you get their uh, emails, which you should sign up for if you're not, because they are full of great information, did send something out on this because the IRS has been absolutely silent, which, to be honest with you, infuriates me because there's no reason for that. This goes back to, and every employee in IRS employee uh, is going to get one of these for the year 2020. It goes back to the Social Security holiday that we had. And basically what it is saying is it's an informational uh, W-2C. 
basically showing now that the uh, Social Security withholding that we were given a holiday for has been repaid. So you're getting these forms basically saying, okay, we just want you to know that. Is it going to cause you to file a new federal return? Absolutely not. Do not file another federal return. You know, there may be some states or local um, communities that have the social security information that may want that information as part of your return. I don't know. I don't think that there are going to be very many states or localities, municipalities that want to do this. It's mostly an informational thing. And you want to keep a hold of this in case when you do get older and retire and start collecting social security, and that's closer to some of us than others, you know, that in case social security doesn't have a record of it, you've got that W2C to show, Hey, look, this was repaid. We are paid in full and I have paid my social security taxes. So it's basically an informational thing. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Of course, I don't have to worry about getting older. I'm already there. So uh, I was not going to say anything <laughs> about that. People living glass houses are not going to start throwing stones. Oh, they can be happy. Well, you're close <laughs> to retirement age. I've been there for, well, I guess, 11 years now almost. So, uh, no, it's uh, retirement's a great thing. If, if you're ready for it and have prepared well for it, it's, it's the greatest thing in the world. And, and uh, I've seen a lot of my coworkers. Uh, do. But you know something, Duncan, when you were talking about these W-2Cs, you know, it, it brought me flashbacks, and it probably did for you as well. For the years you and I both worked in toll-free, we would get these questions from the people who had received W-2Cs, and you're trying to figure out and decipher what it means. In this case, uh, uh, you know, we're deciphering what it means, and, and what it means for most people is, is not much or nothing. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and our, you know, as, as we all know, getting these forms, even very intelligent people uh, can be confused by our stuff. My daughter just yesterday got a form from the IRS and, you know, she was very, you know, couldn't understand it, very panicked. And my daughter is one smart lady. Let me tell you, um, she's like your daughters. You know, all three of them are very, very sharp ladies, but because she's never had experience with this type of thing. It was like reading a foreign language to her, had her photograph, you know, had her photograph, the documents sent them to me, took a look at them, realized that somewhere along the line, a company had made a mistake with a, you know, because I don't think a uh, not yet 30 year old had gotten a retirement distribution. So a company had transposed a number. We caught it, sent her, you know, a proposed change. And now she's going to have to call the company and get it corrected. So it's not a huge thing. It wasn't a huge amount of tax, but it's something that, you know, it's foreign to a lot of us. And even people that work for the IRS get these notices and can get confused if they're not used to dealing with it. So it's just one of those things that, um, you know, it, when that's why I want to tell people if it's not a big deal, relax, it's okay. And that's the big thing to hammer here on this 1099 or this W2C. Well, and the reason people freak out, I mean, people generally freak out. I just remember years ago, I think this goes back to, to the 1990s, early to mid-1990s, that uh, the people at the IRS headquarters had this idea that, you know, hey, we need to communicate with the public. 
We need to send people information. They need to know what we're working on this. They need to know about what we're doing. We need to continue to stay in contact with them. And in that time, that you know, the technology was you mail everything. Then somebody finally asked the question, well, have we asked, have we actually done any research about what, whether the public really wants all this information? Well, they went back and did some research and found out, in fact, the public did not want to hear from the IRS unless they absolutely had to. So the service was saying, we need to communicate with these people. The people are saying, leave us alone. If you have to send us a notice, fine. But if uh, you're just sending us information, we freak out every time we see IRS on the return envelope. So sometimes it's just a matter of I, yeah. knowing what the public remember, really wants. Yeah, I remember 25 or so years ago, you know, answering questions on the phone when people would call in and say, I you know, got this letter from the IRS, you know, asking, what does it say? I don't know. I'm afraid to open it. I can't tell you the number of times that I had that. I'm sure you had that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, let's start from the beginning. Go ahead. Get a, get a letter opener. Open that sucker up. Start to read me what it says because we spoke the language. We understood. Start to read me what it says. Okay, this is what it's saying. This is so I know what to look for. Yeah, and it's, it's, so it's just a matter of really understand what the public wants. They don't really want to hear from us, and I think that's still true. You know, people just freak out when they get a, a letter with, from the IRS, and it, most of the time it's not anything serious, but uh, you assume it is every time you receive one. So I think uh, there, were some, there were some lessons learned there. So bottom line is, if you receive this W2C from 2020, it's – Unlikely you'd have to do anything. If you do, it's a local issue. You can check with the local people if you wish. But even uh, I don't. I don't think in Indiana it it makes any difference at all. But you need to if you're from another state, just just make sure you talk to your local officials if you have any questions about what they need to have from you. Anything exactly. else? Anything else on that, Duncan? No, sir. Well, you don't have to call me, sir. You know. Yeah, sometimes I like to do that to try and throw you off. <laughs> Which you just did. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, uh, one thing that I want to say, and I, I don't want to get into um, geeky type of labor relations things, and I'm, I'm not planning on doing that, but I do think that people who who listen and, uh, to this podcast and watch it on video need to know that the people who are appointed to very key government boards, they are very influential in how your workplace may be set up. And if we have more employee-friendly people on boards and authorities uh, that govern what happens to you in the workplace, this is a positive thing for you. And many of the appointees um, that President Biden have made have been held up because there's some people who just want to hold them up for political reasons. That's been pretty well documented by a number of journalists. But now things are starting to move. And there is a body called the Federal Labor Relations Authority, also, you know, again, another acronym, FLRA. But this is a very key government body that makes very important rulings that can impact your workplace and what you are able to uh, take advantage of as a federal employee, your benefits, and, and how your workplace is, is run. There's a new uh, a person named Susan Grunman who has been appointed to that board and has just recently been confirmed by the Senate. It's been a very long, arduous process. But this is good news for federal employees to have someone who at least will listen to employees' uh, uh, 
cases, their, their, their side of the story when uh, cases are brought before that authority. So maybe a word from you, Duncan, on just how important it is for, uh, for these appointments to, to be made in a timely manner. Yeah, it's, it's extremely important because they hold great sway over how workplace conditions can go. If you have one that is um, too far one side or the other, and they decide to make case law, you know, a ruling that become case law, and it has no basis in law or precedence, it throws everybody off. Because, okay, now you've got this thing that's an outlier out there that has never occurred before, but now we're stuck with it. And you don't want those types of things. I don't think either management or employees in the federal government want surprises. They want to know you know, it should be somewhat logical. And I think now with the makeup of the board that we have, uh, we should start going back to getting more logical decisions based on precedents, based on previous case law, that sort of thing, which is how the FLRA has in the past and should operate uh, as opposed to what it was doing in the uh, recent past. And we won't get into that, but uh, we do think that uh, some of the new appointees will at least uh, uh, look at these in a different light and will at least consider what the employees and the employee unions have to say. And I think that's that's the good thing. You know, Duncan, I just want to say <laughs> there are probably people listening and watching this thinking, why have uh, the two of us not been talking about the vaccine mandate? Well, there's a very clear reason why. There's nothing new to say, Correct. Correct. Absolutely correct. So if there's nothing, if nothing is happening right now, it's the status quo. We, of course, will bring you news on it whenever it happens, as soon as it happens. But right now, there's no change. And and it, we know it's an issue of concern, and the court decisions have come, and, and, and the, you know, all this has happened. But uh, it really hasn't all settled down to the point where we know what the next steps will be. Once we know, we will have it front and center. I just know that a lot of people think about these things. And it's not because we're ignoring it. We just have nothing new to say. What we've last said is exactly what everything is in place at the moment. So there'll be no changes. And that's the important thing to know. Speaking of changes, uh, we have just gone past the phase one date for a return to office. Uh, everyone's supposed to be in the office by near the December, uh, I'm sorry, near the end of June, not December, my goodness, no. Uh, June 27th for most people because that's a Monday. Um, so it looks like that's going to happen for everyone. Uh, the rules that were in before the evacuation order will kick in for everyone. But there are a number of people who have already started to return uh, to, to the offices. So what do we know about how that's going or not going. It's, it's going. Okay. Um, have not heard a lot of, uh, loud screaming about it. There are certain people that, um, you know, have not been able to continue to telework because mostly because of the, uh, telework act of 2010 that we touched on in previous podcasts about more than 41 hours of a wall in a calendar year. And they've gotten, uh, suspensions or more over that. So it's, um, you know, that's thankfully been very few. There's, you know, the vast majority are still working, uh, being able to work the expanded telework and won't have to return to the office. One thing I do want to touch on, uh, that I've said in a lot of meetings about return to office, uh, for folks who are, uh, new to telework, uh, 
And it's it, you've got to have this understanding that depending upon space, you know, if you are a frequent teleworker, you're teleworking more than 80 hours uh, in a pay period, that you are not entitled to a desk. When you come in, you're entitled to, you know, have one, to, of course, to sit down and do your work and all that. But your own personal assigned desk, you're not entitled to that legally, contractually, uh, because of the fact that you're spending the vast majority of your time either in the field or at home on telework. So, you know, I try and clear up the confusion on that as much as possible. The vast majority of the time management has been very good where the, there is space available and no need to go into uh, hoteling or desk sharing. They're not doing that, which is logical, which when logic prevails in the federal government, I always just you know say a thank you and walk very quickly away because it's so rare. But it's it's one of those things that I just want to make sure that everybody understands that that you know when we start having these mass hirings, if we ever, you know, we're doing a lot of hiring, but I mean, you know, the type of hiring that they've been talking about, if they get extra funds, and we're not going to be increasing a lot of space, that they are going to have you desk share, and so. You know, you may have the desk on a Wednesday when you come in and somebody else may have it on a Thursday and somebody else may have it on Monday. So you just, you know, have to be ready for that possible eventuality. And our time is up. Anything you want to add as we close this podcast? Yeah, the last thing I do want to talk about is uh, actually I have two topics. Uh, Real quick, the folks in Ukraine, you know, they're still they're still out there just doing an unbelievable job in fighting for their country. And my heart goes out to them. And I just, you know, hope everyone out there is giving their support uh, to the country that's fighting for democracy and fighting for their lives right now. The second thing is, is, you know, I know a lot of folks out there who've been doing a tremendous job from home. All the federal employees that I know of are doing a tremendous job from home and continue to do so. And I know there's anxiety from a lot of you about coming into the office even a couple of days a week or a couple of days a pay period, depending upon your situation. I understand that. I absolutely do. Social anxiety is real. Change can be very difficult. Um, But it will be okay. You know, we're here to help you. NTU is here to help you. The EAP line where you can reach out to folks, talk to counselors about this is a great resource to have. So don't feel you're alone. Don't feel that you just have to go through this. If you feel like it gets to be overwhelmed, you know, talk to the EAP, talk to NTU representatives, talk to your managers, talk to whoever you need to talk to, and we'll try and help you through this uh, for the best way possible for you to move forward. And Duncan, just one comment to dovetail that. Uh, It's not just a federal employee thing. It's not just an IRS thing. This anxiety and this difficulty of of dealing with all of this is nationwide, worldwide to some extent. And when COVID happened, we were forced to big changes quickly. Uh, We all had to adapt. Very difficult thing to do. So I would say, in my view, uh, I agree with you. People working for the federal government, people working for IRS, we adapted. We got the work done. It wasn't easy. 
And now we're shifting the way we get the work done. That's another change we're going to have to manage. So don't feel like you're alone. Follow the advice Duncan has given you. And uh, I think you will find that once you're back with your fellow workers, even if it's a couple of days of pay period, uh, whatever amount of time it is, you know, connect with your uh, co-workers and try to make that work. I mean, working at home has its good point, but working in the office uh, can also uh, provide you some benefits as well. And uh, as Duncan has said, uh, they, there were efforts at the bargaining table to allow people to work at home all the time for a lot of different legal reasons. It just wasn't going to work. So thank you, Duncan. Thank you very much. Uh, we made it another week, and hopefully we'll be back next week with another edition of the Chapter 49 podcast. As we have said many times before, we have both an audio and a video version of this podcast. So uh, we appreciate all you watching and listening, and please be safe and be kind. <laughs>